All right, I'm going to start with a song. This is something called Grand Marais. I'm Kate Garrison, for everybody that doesn't know. Um, I'm a sophomore here, I'm a popular and commercial music major. Um, so that was awesome, first of all, I just wanna say. That was really cool, seeing music like that perform live in Cajun French was awesome to see. So like Jeff said, you're the founder of the Lost Bayou Ramblers, um, and a lot of your music is based on French Cajun music. Um, and I know you also played fiddle and sang like lead vocals for Beast, the soundtrack for Beast of the Southern Wild, so what was that like? That was, uh, we had the easy end of the deal on that. I mean, you know, Ben Zeitlin had come to a bunch of our shows at smaller clubs in New Orleans, and I recognized him, and then I didn't know, you know, he was going to be making some groundbreaking film. And he asked us, you know, he wanted me to go down there and kind of be the, the band in the film, but I didn't have time to go spend weeks down in Galeano like they were. I said, man, just... You know, just, just call me when you want to make the, the soundtrack. And they came to Lafayette, and we did our part in like two hours. And then, you know, a year later, comes out the most amazing film. It's like, holy crap, I had no idea that's what y'all going to be doing. And uh, then we've had the chance since then to perform it across America, even in London at the Barbican, uh, with orchestras. And we're going to be doing, actually, November 14th in Lafayette, we're going to be performing the soundtrack with the screening with the Acadiana Symphony Orchestra. So the whole thing has been amazing. Uh, I got to go record on his new film coming out uh, a few months ago in New York. So it that's, continues. That's awesome to hear. That's so cool. Um, so I know you went to French Canada um, a while ago to kind of learn French, kind of connect to your heritage. Um, what made you want to go to French Canada to learn? <laughs> it's funny because, I mean, you know, being in this, uh, being in this, environment right here in a music school. I went to music school for one semester and you know I figured it wasn't it wasn't for me. I, I was doing some classical guitar and I played guitar a lot and I was just starting to pick up the fiddle and uh, I just kind of wanted to just keep playing music and 
wasn't, wasn't feeling the school vibe. So I, I saw a sign, first of all, I saw a sign that said, teach English in Nepal. I said, that's interesting. So I called that, and it was a guy named Neil Guidry who lives here in New Orleans. He runs the Louisiana Himalayan Association. And he came and met me. Uh, he's from Catahoula. He came and met me at the only cafe we had in Lafayette at the time, Cafe 101. And, uh, and I said, okay, you can go up to Nepal for six months, 13,000 feet in the Himalayas, and teach English. And then I met a guy named Jean Douglas Como who came. I was... Uh, who came in and I met him at USL at the time it was USL before it was UL. That's how old I am. Yeah, I'm that old. <laughs> we were we were together, right? We I was you it seemed like I was, yeah. It seemed like we did some kind of thing together. And uh and so John Duglac Como said, Yeah, you can come learn French at University of St. Anne, which is a immersion program in Church Point, Nova Scotia. And uh it's it's cool because it's way out in the middle of nowhere, and it's the Comos and Saunyers and Thibodeaux and Arsenaux, it's all the Cajun names where they came from. So I said, well, do I go teach English in Nepal or do I go uh, you know, learn French in Nova Scotia? And I, and I chose the, the French one. Uh, you know, I didn't feel like eating rice for six months and possibly getting malaria and all that. And, you know, and I wanted to learn French. So, uh, and this experience, after I left there, you know, I learned, the thing about it is it's really hard to learn French in Louisiana because you can't speak it enough to really start, you have to start dreaming in a language to learn it. And you can't speak enough French in Louisiana to start dreaming unless you really isolate yourself. So I went up there, learned for five weeks to start dreaming. And then I took off and hitchhiked for two and a half months in Eastern Canada. And what I did just now, I learned completely from playing on the streets and hitchhiking and sometimes having to play to get my ride. And like, I don't ever get to do that. What I just did for y'all is just playing by myself. And that totally reminded me of that trip. Awesome. awesome. Are there any major differences between like Creole French and French, like Canadian French? Like, Oh yeah. Well, so there's a few hundred years of evolutionary difference, you know? Well, so, Canadian, Acadian French um, is a specific group of people that left uh, Poitou and Poitiers, France. They settled in Nova Scotia in 1650 about. And, uh, you know, they had their own culture going on and they became amazing farmers and they ended up producing a lot of the food that fed a lot of New England which is why I was explaining in our interview earlier, uh, which is why the British wanted to kick them out to take the farmlands. <clears throat> Once they took the farmlands, they didn't know how to run them because there were these very special farmlands that were converted from salt marshes because the Bay of Fundy has some of the highest tides in the world. And so they had to drain these salt marshes by making levees and a thing called an aboiteau. And an aboiteau is a little box that would let the water out, but not in. So when the tide would come up, the levee would stop the water from coming in. But when the tide would go down, it was able to drain any water through a box that would only let the water out but not in. They turned these into some of the most fertile agricultural lands in the New World. And the British said, give me that land, kicked us out, ripped us apart, put us in jail. And uh, it was a huge, it was a basically a genocide, a mass expulsion. And uh, 
once they took it over, they didn't know how to run the farmland. So they had to let us out of jail to teach them how to run it. But the evolution up there, you know, continued. Quebec, which was right next door, which is a different group of French settlers, their French evolved one way. And the people that ended up in Louisiana, it evolved a completely different way. Both Frenches used a lot of native words, uh, but we used different ones down here than the, Mi the Mi'kmaq up in uh, Nova Scotia. We had whole different tribes down here, plus a lot more English, Spanish, many other influenced African. So, you know, a couple hundred years of, of evolution definitely changed the language, <clears throat> but it's still French. And I can speak with Canadians and I can speak with French people you know, even though I learned the base of my French in Nova Scotia, of like the grammar, it came out as Louisiana French because that's what I knew. You know, a lot of my family speaks French, a lot of people, and you can't learn a language if you don't know what it sounds like. So I knew what it sounded like. And what was it like learning to sing in Cajun French? Uh, it was actually a great experience for me because I was a horrible singer in English. <laughs> I could barely... Even I had these, you know, rock bands and psychedelic rock bands throughout high school, and I could barely sing. Like I would just like be speaking the words, like da da da. And then when I learned how to sing in French, it was like the melody of the Cajun French music and all that just really fit my voice, and I could finally learn how to sing. So, uh, thank goodness. <laughs> and um, no one knows if you if you don't mess up the lyrics. So. Um, so you started a label called Nouveau Electric uh, Records in 2018. Um, when you started that, what were some things that you were like really worried were going to go wrong? Well, yeah, uh, as I was, I was uh, working with Mark Bingham, who some of you definitely know, and uh, many of you may, may not know, he had Piety Records, uh, the Piety Studios, for a while until he, he uh, sold it and got out and moved to Henderson. He uh, He's an amazing, amazing veteran of music. I should say, not a veteran, because he's still doing it. Uh, in fact, I just recorded him the last week. He's finishing up a 100-song record right now with Peter Stample of every year in the, in the 20th century. And uh, so I was telling him I'm starting a record. He's like, oh, great idea. Start a record label in the 2019, 2018, because, you know, Spotify, streaming, people don't buy things as much as they used to. So he was joking at me, being like, that's not a great idea. So I think that's my biggest worry is that, you know, being able to make it viable. But um, at the same time, I know that there's a need, there's a need for current Cajun French material that sure. is not much, there's not much new stuff being put out there. Most of the stuff being put out there is traditional. And even that stuff doesn't, you know, doesn't have a large audience enough to buy CDs. And of course, like for bands nowadays, CDs are more like business cards. That's, that's what people say, you know. And really, you just make new music to stay current. But, you know, if you're not making new music, you're not progressing. But at the same time, it's not as easy to make it pay for itself as it used to be. So, you know, I started Nouveau Electric to, to give a voice to a lot of artists that I know that either they throw their music out there hoping it catches and they just never hear about it again or they don't put it out at all and I wanted to give them and myself um, an avenue to put out music that 
you know, it's not with a big band that has their own audiences or just that needs to be heard and to try to collect it up, stack it up into a, into a pyramid where people that like one thing will find another thing and vice versa. Uh, our first release was a remix of a Lost by Rambler song by a guy called Imagine I Am. He's like a vaporwave artist and uh, super cool remixes. He started doing on his own Lost by Rambler stuff. And the second one is a 45 minute improv I recorded at John Zorn's venue, The Stone, up in New York uh, in 2016 with Spider Stacy from the Pogues and some of my other band members and some guys from a band called Sun Watchers in Brooklyn. So it's definitely, you know, not your normal release material. It's very, every, almost everything I've done to date has been non-traditional releases, even in just in terms of it being like a song with albums. It's like a, a single or a, you know, or a, a 45 minute song. Or the last one I did was Ethel May Bork, uh, which was one of my mentors uh, and, and she passed away a few years ago, but she was uh, an elderly lady from Vermilion Parish who sang a lot of acapella songs and taught me a lot of songs. And so I released her singing her songs. And even that, like when I went to upload it to iTunes and Spotify, like, oh, you can't do that. You can't have songs under a minute and you can't, you know, so I had to like group everything together different. It's been a very interesting learning process, but it's been great. It's been well received because there's, you know, there's not a lot of, new Cajun French music coming out. And so that's my, been my goal is to, been, uh, to try to do that. And then the, the stuff that I have put in the New Orleans stores has been selling very well, especially The Stoned, which was the 45-minute song, the 45-minute complete improv. Uh, like Euclid has been selling a bunch of that. Uh, and, you know, the hard part is keeping it, keeping it stocked, which is, which is a great problem to have. Uh, Speaking of, if anyone would like to uh, learn about the record label industry and the labor of love it is, we're looking for an intern. You can email nouveauelectric at gmail.com. Awesome. Um, so you, the Lost by Ramblers won the Grammy in 2018 for Best Regional Roots Album. What was, like, how did you feel when you found out that you won? Completely shocked. <laughs> well, yeah, because we're a completely self-managed and self-booked band. We've had a few manners and bookers in the in the past, but as a lot of Louisiana artists, you know, in the in a in a traditional music world, especially one that's in a traditional music world but does their own thing, it's really it's really hard to find a booker or manager that really understands what you do, and knows how to how to get you in the right spots. And we've just by nature been completely self-booked and managed. So to win a Grammy without having any connections, and we didn't solicit at all. If any of you were uh, members of the academy, there's a thing called uh, For Your Consideration where you email people and be like, please consider voting for my album. And we didn't do that at all. We didn't solicit any votes. And we won, which made it all the sweeter because it means it happened completely organically and that people really liked our art. Awesome. Um, so you guys just released an album like last month called Aster. Um, what was working on that album like? What were some, some of your favorites off that album? The writing process, all that? Well, it was cool because we didn't even, we didn't realize we were making the album at the time. Much like our previous live album, which we recorded at Gasa Gasa, uh, 
we played our first gig at, I'm just going to sidestep, we played our first gig at Gasa Gasa in 2013, I believe, or 14. And, uh, and we just had a great time, you know, and after we finished the gig, the engineer said we recorded the album. We recorded the, we recorded the, the, the set. I said, wow, that's great, because we had a great time. And then Eric Heigl, our drummer, took it and started listening to it. So, man, that's really good material. We turned it into a live album. We had no idea we were recording a live album at the time, just having a great, a great night. And a lot, uh, a lot same for Astaire. Astaire is Cajun French for right now. And uh, we were making our documentary called Enfa Continue, which means we're going to keep going. And uh, talking more about, you know, the language and the culture and such. But uh, as we record the documentary, we were recording a lot of the live shows for music for the documentary. And as we were doing, we said, hey, we might as well turn all that material into a live album. We picked the best material from, uh, it was pretty amazing because we got to, we recorded seven different shows at seven different venues. Maple Leaf, Tipitina's, one Eye Jacks, Prez Hall, Music Box, DBA, um, Do Drop Jazz Hall in Mandeville. And uh, we got to, you know, pick all this different material to choose from. So it, it, we really made it to join the documentary. Um, so kind of my last question, uh, in your efforts to preserve French Cajun music and the tradition of French Cajun music, how do you kind of keep a more modern and contemporary sound while still staying true to the original sounds of the genre? Well, I, I think to us it's easy because... For one, we're lucky enough to have, like my brother Andre and I, who started the band with me 20 years ago, we both learned in Le Frami Show, which is our family band. We were lucky to have, you know, a lot of great mentors and teachers within the traditional music itself. And so we love the music for what it is, and we're not looking to change it or make it anything different. We just... We love it for what it is, and that was kind of our whole point in starting the band. We didn't mean to start the band, but once we did, we were like, we just want to play that old, that music we love that's super raw and super powerful in its rhythm, and which was completely opposite of what was happening at the time. It was mostly like bigger dance hall bands that were playing smooth country or more style Cajun music, and we wanted to play the stuff that was much more in your face and rhythmic. And so in doing that, we were already going against the grain, playing the older material. And then as we got more comfortable with our own sound, like over 10 years, then we started feeling more comfortable to allow the rest of our musical influences in. And we realized that people weren't going to accept us within the, like, you know, there's like a traditional society music that kind of people decide, you know, is it traditional or is it not? And we never got accepted by that anyway. So we had already succeeded in doing our own thing. So we just continued to do our own thing and felt very comfortable allowing our other musicians and ourselves to bring whatever influences we wanted in into it. And, uh, you know, a bit with the curiosity, would this be accepted or not by the people of the Cajun culture or the music world in general. And, you know, 
I think within any traditional music, as you might know, there's always this fear that, oh, it won't be accepted or it won't be, you know, it'll, people say, oh, that's not this and that's not that, whether it be jazz or Irish music or whatever. And we, we went super far and super deep into our own experimentations. And the result was that people loved it and that people were waiting for someone to do something because Cajun music is very traditional. You know, a lot like jazz, there's so many rules and, and but if you do it and you, and you can't just start playing jazz one year and then add your own influences. You have to learn the art and then you naturally bring your own influences in. But Zydeco, for example, has been super innovative. And the reaction to that is they have super huge crowds. Cajun music has been a lot more boxed in with a traditional mindset. And um, I think the crowds have reflected that as well. And so when we started bringing this kind of whole new feel and uh, sonic scapes to it, people really, um, people really responded uh, positively, which was very encouraging to us. And we just have just kind of been continuing to do that same thing. But at the same time, I mean, you can just turn the whole sound system off and you have a Cajun band, you know? So it's, it's not like we're straying from the music. We're just, we're just continuing forward with it. And, you know, to my brother and I, it's very important that we do have the fiddle and the accordion, the French vocals, because that's what we love, so. That's awesome. Well, that's all the questions I have. Um, so you're gonna play, he's gonna play a couple more songs for us, and then we're gonna get to the Q&A portion of everything. All right, thank you so much. start with the song that uh, that became the bathtub from Beasts of the Southern Wild. It's, uh, it's originally called La Valse de Bolfa, written by Will Bolfa, who is the brother of Dewey Bolfa, but they spell their names different. Don't let 
pour passer les deux ans avec toi, j'aime mieux mourir dans tes bras. my best to get the orchestra sound in with the traditional sound because that's what they, they took this old song and then they put this amazing orchestral school uh, score around it and added chords over the tradition it's really what they did if you haven't seen Beasts of the Southern Wild the movie is amazing and what they did taking the traditional music and you know making it a whole different thing was a uh, they really did an amazing job is what they did um, like I said, we'll be doing that November 14th at the Hyman Center in Lafayette. If anyone uh, is around, we'll be performing that live with the Acadiana Symphony Orchestra. Uh, let's see, one more song. Anyone got any requests? <laughs> How about a new Iberia haircut? I was waiting for that. Uh, yeah, the Bosco Stomp. Uh, we, it was a viral, viral classic. So I say. I'm actually going to do uh, the first song off our live album. It's a bilingual song I wrote a while back. We recorded up in Montreal a few years ago and finally released on the live album. It's called Stay. I'm all alone and there's nothing I can do. Come back to me. Come back, my baby. I need you bad, bad, all your noise been too long. I'm on the floor, come home my baby. J'ai rêvé dans le marais, laissé pantalon tous mes pieds. Dans mon lit, je me trouvais, c'était toujours prêt éclairé. Le tonnerre me changeait, et moi je m'étais inondé. Thank you. 
moi tout seul I'm all alone And there's nothing I can do Come back to me Come back my baby I need you bad, bad Oh, you know it's been too long I'm on the floor Come home my baby Stay 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 All right, I think we have some time for some questions. You know, it's, it's, that's a great question because it's, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of like fantasy and then there's a lot of reality. And like my reality is, well, I'll, I'll first start saying, well, my mom uh, grew up in Shreveport. Uh, her dad was a Sicilian from New Orleans whose dad spoke French. But she grew up in, as a Catholic, North Louisiana girl, but, but grew up in Lafayette a lot. So, you know, I like a lot of duality there. My dad uh, was a, is, well, he just retired. He was a scientist who played accordion in a Cajun French band. He was a biologist, did wetlands biology, a lot of the uh, wetlands numbers, like waterfowl and the real hard numbers on what was happening with the coast. And um, his dad was the first generation not to speak French his dad was the first Louis Michaud. My great-grandpa was the first Louis Michaud. Wouldn't allow his children to speak French because he was a teacher and he was enforcing the law of no, only English in school. So, you know, my household was like any household. My dad, you know, I remember like my dad like practicing accordion in the, in the house and he learned French on his own, as did a lot of my uncles. You know, so really all that to say, it's like, you know, the modern, the modern Cajun or Creole French Louisiana reality is it's, it's there if you want to learn it. And it really takes a dedication to learn the language. There's still some people who do speak French at home, like some grandparents who don't speak English and such like that. But uh, it's mostly out of necessity and I had the desire to learn for myself. So I didn't learn at, at home but it's one of those things where it's like it's all around you. You don't realize that until you leave. And like I, I learned how to make my first gumbo in Montreal. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna get in on that a little. I grew up in Lafayette. And when I was a kid in the 70s was when they had realized that what they had done in the 50s and 60s of making everyone stop speaking French was a bad idea. So a lot of it was recaptured. Right. We started having French every like one hour a week in school and Codafil came along like at that time. But I, there was this girl from Youngsville that I dated in high school. And whenever I would eat at their house, I could tell they were talking about me because they started speaking French. <laughs> <laughs> you thought they were talking. That's the great thing. You thought they were talking. Pro they probably were. No, no. I kept hearing, <laughs> I met a can. <laughs> <laughs> yep. There was another question. Oh, yeah. You, you want to holler? You're going to make Delia run with the microphone. What was the second one? Uh, like, oh yeah, Pou, like, yeah, so, the, okay, so Couillon is actually from, um, 
that's a that's an interesting one. I think it comes from it just means like your yeah knucklehead. It like le qui is actually your male genitals. So it's like your I don't know a ball head or something. I don't know. So, uh, <laughs> but uh, it's okay. Then, we can edit the video. Yeah, and then poodoo poodoo. It might I think you're probably talking about poodoo, which is uh is a certain bird called the poodoo. And in certain places, it means like you trash. Cause like, it's a trash bird. It's not a bird you want to eat. So, uh, okay, so let's say like, There's Oscar. lots of Cajun words for things that are beautiful too though. Yeah, <laughs> but that's not the ones you need to learn. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it's a lot of, that's mostly what, like we always, we always heard pique toi. Pique is like when a wasp stings you, but it's also intercourse. So if you think pique toi, it means F you. Uh, mon chou means kiss. Chou is Cajun French for like cue in French. We had the chou, it's your rear. So mon chou means kiss my rear. Uh, and then uh, like astar means right now, but that's only Cajun or Louisiana French. And it could be, someone told me it comes from the Breton, uh, like the Celtic. French for astor, which means right now, because in French it's maintenant. Shawi uh, means raccoon. Akira means squirrel. What else? Is that and it? It's, it's funny how this stuff translates to English. Like when I was a kid in Lafayette, all the bus drivers were all these old Cajun dudes, and they would speak French yes. to each other. And I remember being like in the first grade, I got to my house, and the bus driver looked at me and said, it's your stop, get down. I was like, get down. It was like the 70s. I was like, I'm supposed to, what does that mean? Like as a not French dude, I'm like, get. And then later, years later, learning French, you know, the French verb descendre yeah, is the verb that. you would use to get off the bus, but it literally translates to get down. How would you so really the thing that? around making groceries and so much of that stuff yes. that's like quirky Louisiana English is actually sort of literalized versions of the French. Totally. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I don't even know how to say get down properly. How are you saying Like, get off the bus? I, I get, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's like, yeah. Was, was there a question? Yeah. Uh, you mentioned the song New Iberia Haircut. Um, what is a New Iberia Haircut? <laughs> uh, well, so here's the interesting thing. Let's get into some deep culture right here. Uh, well, New Iberia Parish is where a lot of the Spanish people ended up, why they call it New Iberia. My people, the Marines, who Don Pedro Marine was my grandma's great, it was like my great, great, five greats grandpa or something. He was friends with Marini, Comte de Marini, and he, just, he wanted to buy the land next to Marini, so he founded the Bywater, technically. <laughs> but he ran the Cabildo for a while, and uh, they ended up in New Iberia. So a lot of Spanish people ended up, he was mar like Marine, M-R-I-M-A-R-I-N, but I think we added an E later. I saw one of my cousins, one of my Marine cousins came to our show last week and he got up on stage because it was his birthday and all that stuff. And he kind of had a New Iberia haircut. So some people say it's from the, they call it the Caesar. Yeah, it's and like it, a Caesar. It's like if it's slicked down, cut straight, like, you know, yeah, you shaved the, on the sides. Yeah, you pull the bangs straight If you down. Google it, you'll get good answers. Because the first time I heard him do that song, I was like, 
what is that? And I went and looked it up. And my sister was like, oh, yeah, it's a Caesar. Hey, and then I saw it. I was like, oh, yeah, that's all the dudes from New Iberia. But doesn't that seem very Spanish? Or, or, or Italian? Like Latin. Yeah, Latin. Latin. Sure. Like, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's very appropriate that it's from New Iberia. <laughs> but uh, there's, there's, a, there's a viral video. We're going to have to edit a lot of this video. <laughs> There's a there's a viral video called the New Iberia haircut, and I think it was some dude working offshore, and he was bored. He's like New Iberia haircut, and that's where we got it from. I don't even I can't. I've asked around if anyone knows who wrote that song. Please let us know because we can't find the original writer. And then he made. So you're just holding on to his royalties until you can. Oh find yeah, well, it. well you have a disclaimer on the website, like if you or anyone else wrote this song, please contact us. Like they do with the old field recordings, you know. Yeah, yeah. Anything else? Anybody else? You want to know more about the new Iberia haircut? Great. Okay, so I'm sure Louie's going to be happy to hang out and chat with some of you, except today we're going to do that in the lobby because there's something going on in here later that they need to start setting up with. Thank you to Kate for a wonderful interview. Woo! Please thank Louis Michaud. Merci beaucoup. Ah ouais.